Welcome back, folks, to the Exile Diary podcast. I'm joined with co-host Pete Drabinski. This is our sixth episode, and it's going to be quite an episode for you folks. Uh, Pete and I are going to be talking about, among other things, the great documentary Citizen Four, which came out in 2014, about Edward Snowden and journalist Glenn Greenwald and uh, the U.S. intelligence community. CIA, FBI, and uh, what, what, what some people describe as the deep state, which is an interesting term that gets thrown around these days. Um, but we're going to start, it's, we're going to start with the, the documentary Citizen Four, which, uh, Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, it won the Academy Award for Best Feature Length Documentary back in 2014. Yeah, yeah I believe you're correct. I mean... Just just got reaction to the film. I thought it was a brilliant um, production. I was shocked by the amount of live footage that they had in the movie. Um, incredibly eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really great to hear so much from Edward Snowden himself. And I feel like I got so much of his own perspective, um, which is crucial because he was the... Uh, kind of initial whistleblower on a lot of the surveillance that was taking place. Um, and so I thought it was just very well done and, and no really glamour or fluff in the movie. It was r- really just uh, aiming to give you an inside look, which it definitely did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of like that whole stripped down style. It was very simple. How they intercut between the uh, the journalists for The Guardian, Glenn Greenwald, and I forget the the other journalist who was working with, with, with him on breaking the story. And I just, they intercut it with, you know, just some good B-roll and the, the, the hearings uh, where, where the director of national intelligence at the time, James Clapper was, was, uh, was lying. <laughs> it was literally just <laughs> lying, lying in front of Congress. Yep. I, I, I just liked how they just boiled it down to simple, just, back and forth so it's not you're, you're breaking down a complex a complex thing in a very simple style of filmmaking which is effective yeah i mean i i totally agree and i think broadly speaking i think they could have made it very political um given that it was a documentary and mm-hmm. um you know about this very sensitive subject but i think they kind of in a weird way stayed clear of putting any type of spin on it um i think they really just uh like you said, gave you a stripped down version of, of what happened um, during those couple of years. Yeah. So basically the, the background, I mean, uh, Edward Snowden was working for the NSA and uh, he, he, he leaked documents to uh, Glenn Greenwald about how the NSA was surveying people, uh, surveying Americans. And this was in the context of the, the, you know, at post nine 11, um, post 9-11 world where the, the Patriot Act was passed which gave just more which just expanded the the power of these intelligence agencies to to gather data to gather text messages to gather emails from Americans uh, without without their knowing without any without any warrant um, which is pretty crazy yeah it's uh, it's kind of scary when you start to think about it too much um, 
But yeah, and and also I think it's worth pointing out, I believe the program that Edward Snowden specifically worked on was Stellar Wind, if I have that correct, Mm -hmm. Um, which was kind of this warrantless program that was put in place post 9-11 as kind of a mass surveillance uh, system that would potentially catch any terrorists um, or potential terrorists um, and, and allow the government to be able to track and target these people um, and keep logs on them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's important to note that the people who are running this program, um, namely James Clapper and the head of the CIA, uh, John Brennan, at the time, they uh, they testified before Congress and they just flat out lied. And they stated that they were not uh, surveying Americans. And none of these programs were, were were surveying Americans, and that was that was the opposite. They were doing it. So, and they faced, yeah. they faced no legal ramifications for lying, committing perjury. Yeah, and there was that other scene in the movie too. I, I can't, where I think. It was a guy speaking at kind of a seminar or something, and it had to do with Occupy Wall Street, and he was talking about metadata. Do you remember that scene? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The activist, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the activist. I thought that was a really cool scene um, where he was talking about how essentially the government could link, or the NSA could link your Metro card with your bank card and then with your phone, and then track you with GPS. And they essentially, without ever getting the, the all your information in a full picture, they could kind of link all these smaller pieces of data and um, string them together and to kind of get a clearer picture of almost your entire life. Which was uh, pretty eye-opening and uh, kind of scary. <laughs> Definitely eye-opening. And you know what's interesting, Pete? I feel like this problem, this this whole idea of, of of government agencies spying on citizens is kind of it's like that it's that issue that doesn't get talked about often enough because it's just such a broad sweeping thing, and it's not mm-hmm. like a poignant like story. It's not like a one single event that the media can latch onto and report on. Mm-hmm. It's something. It's like a bigger trend, and so I think people just it's in the background and it's it just doesn't get reported on as often as it, as it did at the time, because the whole war on terror is starting to fizzle out. It's starting to end like Biden, the Biden administration announced recently that they're pulling troops. They will pull troops out of Afghanistan by September of next year or September of this year. And I just think that whole, that whole period of American history is kind of fading into the background. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're totally right. And I, and I think it's important to remember, too, that this surveillance um, program and collection by the government didn't just sprout out of, um, you know, spontaneity or it wasn't just something they all of a sudden decided to do one day. It was started because of 9-11 mm-hmm. and started because of this war that was launched on on terror and it uh, was a massive effort by the government to try and detect these terrorists, especially domestically, before any acts were carried out. Um, so I think it's important to remember that this wasn't just, um, you know, a program that started out of nowhere. It's like, you know, the government decided one day just to start surveilling on everyone. 
um, that they did have to do with very specific reasons. So I think we sometimes forget that. And like you said, that, that era could be coming to a close pretty soon. Yeah. Oh, I look into a close insofar as they can justify these actions by saying, Oh, we're going after radical jihadists. Mm-hmm. Um, because Pete, remember at the end of the documentary, the final shot, Pete, was the shot of that scrap of paper, and it said POTUS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it said POTUS. That was very – the most important part of it, I think, is POTUS, okay? Because that's what that's what's going to happen. It's already happened, right? Because the intelligence community they spied on Donald Trump's campaign. Right. They, spied, they surveyed uh, the Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, who was going to be the Director of National Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's that was that that's the outgrowth. That's why I find fascinating about the movie is that it just that happened. Like the Donald Trump's campaign and his um you know, some of his advisors were spied on by by the CIA and by the uh they used the, the FISA court, mm-hmm. which is pretty much um the FISA court allows the intelligence the these intelligence uh, officials and it allows them to get a warrant to survey someone without that person knowing that the warrant has been issued. Right. They can do all this surveying secretly. Yep. Which is what happened with that guy, Michael Flynn, uh, the FISA court unmasked him in the sense they, 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 they allowed, they, just, they, they, they had the license to spy on, on, uh, on Michael Flynn. And I, I think there's some, um, there's some term I forget, Pete. It's like a, they're allowed like it's illegally you can get like two or three jumps which means that you can if you if you tap like michael flynn's phone mm-hmm. you can if someone if someone in the trump administration like steve bannon calls flynn you then you can survey bannon and then if bannon's talking to trump you can get to trump right okay it's legally that you have like two or three i forget if it's like two or three jumps um, so you can, you can, you can access the, a potential this is at a time when Trump wasn't, wasn't the president yet, but he was, mm-hmm. he, he was, he had been nominated to be the Republican candidate. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting, um, when you talk about the FISA act and the FISA warrants that are, that were used, you know, that's, it's such a tricky debate because, you know, if you're going to spy on someone like that and begin collecting their data, um, let's say for quote unquote national security purposes, you know, obviously you don't want them knowing if they're a dangerous person because then they're going to, um, you know, start, uh, you know, communicating and passing information in a more secret way because, you know, they don't want to be detected. Um, and so it's like, do you, do you continue with this FISA system or is it, or is it ethical in any way, um, to not tell the person you're, spying on but then on the other hand you know it does kind of make sense from a security standpoint you know because you obviously don't want to tell the person you're spying on so it's it's definitely a a little bit of a a tough situation but i think it's i think it's so so fascinating when you start to think about it that way yeah and if you're um if it's if the if these intelligence agencies agencies are co-opted by by partisan interests, um, in the sense that like Trump Trump ran on this his his platform was to 
was to clean out the so on the quote unquote deep state. Um, obviously, that that flies in their in the agency's interest, but they can then rationalize a decision to use the FISA court by saying, well, well, because Trump's opinion, right, because he's he's against the state or he, he claims to be he wants to, you know, deconstruct the state and, you know, break down the, 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 the deep state. Mm-hmm. They, they use that as a rationalization. Oh, that's that's going against national. Therefore, he's a threat to, to the state. Therefore, we can spy on him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, they, it's a very slippery of, slope. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. They, depending on how you look at it, it's like they've they have their opinions, right? They've they've internalized their 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 political opinions into into what's what's good into the national interest. Like, well, what's good for the state is uh you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's their yeah, opinion no, that totally, they should... They I think totally that get what it's, you're saying. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, I think there's a lot of justification under the rationale of quote-unquote national security. Or like, you hear that, that term thrown around all the time. But like, oh, this is for national security purposes. And I think that um, the whole kind of Edward Snowden and, you know, Stellar Wind event um really shows that justification to the nth degree you know the fact Mm -hmm. that they were using you know often very superficial suspicions to collect people's information um just on the whim that it might be a threat um but I, i think also too there's another there's another point to be made here or another argument um about collecting information versus uh, currying information, which essentially like sifting through it or actually uh, starting to log it. Uh-huh. And this is something that was that was brought up by um, another person who was in the movie, William Binney, who was the whistleblower from the NSA back in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and collecting information versus cur- currying it um, or qu- querying it um, is essentially collecting it would just be like you know um taking all the phone records the emails text messages from let's say a million people and day after day you're just collecting it on servers you're logging it whatever and then let's say something suspicious pops up in one of those you know millions of text messages then the nsa might have reason to then dive into that person's information or, or privacy a little bit further. And that would begin the uh, querying process, which is essentially where they then begin to sift through that person's information and actually look at the text messages, look at the emails. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's an important distinction because it's, you know, of course, I don't know what goes on at the NSA, but the, the assumption is that they are, purely collecting and logging all this information um, on servers, but they aren't actually looking at it. And that's partially so that let's say 10 years from now, if they find out that a potential terrorist is living in the US, they can retroactively go back, find his information that they logged from five years ago, and then begin to actually look at it and sift through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that is... Um, I really, it's, it's fascinating to think about because, you know, when you begin to think about the ethics of just collecting data versus actually looking through it, um, you get into some pretty, pretty hairy uh, 
areas, but. Yeah, Pete, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Also, I read that, I think it's like something, the government's budget for, um, for the intelligence, this intelligence agency, I think it's like 80 billion a year or no, maybe mm-hmm. 80 billion just gets spent on the, these, the things they do, like the intelligence related activities. That's yep. $80 billion. That's, that's a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And so, and so if they don't have, right, if they don't have a war on terror, they need to find some way to justify this budget. So right. if they, they don't have a war on terror and they can't be like public opinion has kind of dropped on that, then they have to figure out like what, what's the, what's going to be the next war on terror, right? Like what's the mm-hmm. next, what's the next thing that's going to justify all this money being spent? Yep. Um, that's a ton yep. of money. That's $80 yeah. billion. Dollars. And then plus, like I said, they have to, in order to, for this collection and surveillance to be effective in detecting people, they have to be collecting the information all the time so that 10 years down the road, they can retroactively go back and look at someone, um, mm-hmm. someone's profile and, and see what, the, what their communications were. That's, that's really the effectiveness of the program is that they have to be surveilling all the time. Um, so, so like you said, they, they do kind of need that next justification in order to continue the surveillance mm-hmm. um, so that they can keep collecting. And, uh, you know, they might not need the, the information now because there's no war on terror. But what if there is, you know, the next war, the next conflict, and then they need that information from 10, 10 12 years ago? Um, you know, that's that's really where it's important. Yeah. But no, I think, and just like the idea of the deep state, people, I, I think I'm, I'm actually opposed to using that term insofar as it, it, it actually makes it seem like this is, these, in, these agencies are like super, like they're not named, right? They're, it's like, it's right there. Like the CIA is the deep state. Like the FBI yep. is, these bureaucracies are right there in front of us, right? Yep. Not, it's yep. not some like shady cabal hidden behind the government it's like this is or some secret government agency that the public doesn't know about these things are right right in front of us and that whole documentary exposed they're all their wrong exposed their wrongdoings in that sense it's not deep right it's like yeah you know it's, about it's it. actually right in front of us <laughs> yeah they do they do shady things and they lie about it mm-hmm. yeah do that man that scene where the NSA director just before the Senate hearing, it just, you know, they ask him if, if the NSA is spying on the American public and he just says, no, oh, that, dude, that, that's just a, uh, that is such, such a surreal scene. I mean, right. I, I was in that scene. I was expecting just to see sweat just running down his face. Yeah. It's, it's kind of dot, like, Oh, well, you know, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, no, but he, he's very confident just saying no to every one of those questions. And though it's interesting too, Pete, these guys like James Clapper and John Brennan, they're they're now they're analysts for M- MSNBC. Oh, they work. Oh, for I didn't M- know that. Yeah, they work for M- MSNBC now. Hmm. Which which gets into another thing. I think Glenn Greenwald has raised this issue time and time again over the course of his career. But it's the there's a very incestuous relationship between 
journalists, reporters who are mm-hmm. covering national security and the people, the officials uh, who work for those, for those uh, agencies. Um, just in a very, in very simple terms, right? These reporters have, you know, they have career goals, they have career ambitions. Um, and if, and if some official from a, from the CIA or from the justice department or the, the FBI leaks information to them, they're, they're, they're going to run us, even if it's an anonymous official, like an anonymous official leaks this information. Okay. Look at, let's, let's get an example. Look at the story about Trump and the, uh, the Russian bounties on soldiers, on us soldiers in Afghanistan. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That story, that story blew up a month or two, like in October or maybe September before the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. And the guy who ran, who broke the story, Jeffrey Goldberg at the Atlantic, um, he was going off anonymous, anonymous sources within these agencies, um, leaking the information to him. Okay. The, 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 so they, they run the story, right? The anonymous sources, they can't be confirmed. We don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. We don't know. No one asked, no one ever asked the question, well, why are they doing this? Like, is there some partisan reason why? Yeah, the people who work for the intelligence agencies, it's safe to assume they don't want Trump to be elected again. So no one, no one, no one ever bothers that, right? They just an official just leaks it, and they just take take their the information at, at face value, and they run right. the story. And then once they run the story, then the whole, all the media latches onto it. The Washington Post, New York Times reports, oh, the Atlantic reported that this official said this about you know Russian bounties on soldiers, and Trump didn't do anything about it. Then it becomes the part of the narrative. Then it, everyone sees it as a fact. Yeah, and, that, and I that's think part of the issue. Go ahead. They're just these intelligence officials just use the media as like a PR firm, right? They can mm-hmm. just literally yeah. say anything, and these journalists run with it. Why? Because it's a good story, right? Obviously, it's a great story if it's true, mm-hmm. and it serves it serves their interest. And their, what's mm-hmm. the interest of the intelligence agencies? Well, the continue to do what they're doing so they can mm-hmm. justify their 80 billion dollar budget yeah yeah and i think uh you know another issue with with that whole system or that whole process is that it, it kind of protects the source in a way as well because you know take for instance like you said the whole leaking of the information about u.s troops being targeted in afghanistan um you know, obviously no one would argue that that is an awful thing. And, and the fact that it came to light is a good thing because now the, you know, government and the public have knowledge of it and can take, you know, action to yeah. mitigate it. Um, and, and that in a way protects the source of the information or whoever leaked it, because now they can say like, oh, I kind of was a whistleblower and I leaked yeah. this information that is, it's now in the public light and that's a positive thing um you know whether it serves my interests or not is secondary and you know i, I look like the good guy so yeah it's well, uh it, it's, it's a bit of an issue and well that's why that's what i admire about snowden because he came out right they, mm-hmm. they they everyone knew who he was and and in the documentary you got a sense that this guy didn't have some sort of partisan interest like he was genuinely doing this because it's it's for the public good, and he yeah. wasn't anonymous, right? Mm-hmm. Which is so yeah. important. And, and, and I think he, he's very clear about that in the documentary as well. 
and that's why the story that's that's just it's yeah it's just he, he, he the guy came out he it's it's very brave of him to do it because <laughs> he he could have been anonymous right yeah definitely um, and maybe could have saved his career a little bit yeah right yeah i think uh there's another um interesting quote in the movie not if you remember this but um Edward Snowden is in the hotel room with Glenn Greenwald and they're about to break, I think the first story and Edward Snowden says the media loves personality. Mm. And that's why he didn't want to involve himself in the story because he knew that as soon as he released his name and attached his identity with uh, the leaked information, that the media would immediately shift from the information being released to him as a person and would yeah. dive into like his background and, and focus way more on him. And then, then the whole story and purpose of the story would kind of be derailed. So I think that, you know, it's obviously a, a lot of great forethought by Edward Snowden to think that, but it's, it's very true when you begin to think about it, how, how the media, especially with these stories, um, they kind of focus on the wrong thing and they, they tend to, to lean more towards the person because, you know, they can dive into their background and it's relatable yeah. to the audience as well. Exactly. But I just, I just think that's such a problem with, with the, with this idea of, of officials leaking information and then the media picking it up, whether or not it's true, they still, they just report like it's a fact just because a government official said, like said so. And it just becomes then that just infects the the discourse that it's it's oh it must be true because this so and so official said so it's like mm-hmm. where's like where's your skepticism of the government like since since when did it become like like okay for journalists to just use it's just like a it's just like a PR factory yep like and the officials know this like they're using they totally get that these journalists like they get that there's a fine line between between a journalist's ambition. And and in reporting what's true, mm-hmm. and and they totally understand that, and it just gets the information just gets laundered into the discourse because people just want that they want that story to be true. Like Jeffrey Goldberg wants that the idea that the that Trump knew about Russian bounties on soldiers in Afghanistan but didn't do anything, mm-hmm. didn't do anything about it because that's a bombshell story. Yeah, it's such, yeah. A, it's such an interesting dynamic. It's it's like incestuous, like right, mm-hmm. like the. The, the journalist gets to get the cool, the great story, gets to break the story, whether or not it's true. Mm-hmm. And that, that helps his or her career. And then the mm-hmm. intelligence agency gets to launder their talking points and their, their interests into the discourse and sway public mm-hmm. opinion. So it makes it seem like, oh, like the intelligence community is the good one and Donald Trump's the evil person. Yep, yep. And it's a big, big disservice to the American public as well because – that type of information I think would be taken way more seriously if it came from the intelligence agency itself rather yeah. than the media. Yeah. Um, and, and then that in turn would, you know, obviously it's still going to be skeptical of the government's activities, but that would at least build a little more trust. Um, and I think, like I said, people would take it more seriously and, you know, uh, put a higher value um, on that information rather than just hearing it on CNN one night from an anonymous source. Yeah, exactly. That's it. They, that's, that's so true. It's, it's just a completely eroding. I mean, that's why people don't trust any, any 
like trust in institutions just has absolutely plummeted in the past like decade, yeah, two decades. No, I think that's in part you're right. I think it's in part due to the fact that the media reports on it, and then you know a couple months later, oh, this actually turns out to oh the intelligence officials actually say this is their confidence on this on this intel is actually very low. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean we're tr- <laughs> but we we'll gladly memory hold that first report, but <laughs> but no, but it, it's already it's already infected people's minds. It's already in their mind. And once they have that opinion, like it's not going to change quickly. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and especially when in the case of the, the bounties, you know, that was right before the election and it served its purpose. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whether there's a follow-up story two months later, it's, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that whole point that I'm, I'm so convinced they did that because they wanted to, they wanted to make the like suburban voter, Right. Like the, the swing moderate suburban voter who's like, yeah, you know, I used to be a Republican, but like Trump's kind of like, you know, I don't really like Trump. Da, 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 da. It, it was such mm-hmm. a, it was such an op to get the suburban like moderate Republican, maybe center left voter to go go vote for Biden. Yeah. How, how could you how could you vote for how could you vote for a president who knew that the Russians were trying to, you know, give money to the Taliban to assassinate U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan? Like, how could. How could a president not do anything about that? That's so un-American, unpatriotic. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and oh. then, you know, especially at that point in the election, and any information negative about Trump, it, it you know wasn't going to take much to tip that moderate voter to the other side. So and they knew yeah. that. That that's that could be the difference between someone voting for one candidate or the other. Yeah, you know? it's a very emotional issue too. Like no one wants, like you said, it's very. It's a heinous thing. No one wants that to happen to American soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ooh. you know it's. I think this this movie Citizen Four it really, you know, it's a couple of years old, but it really brings a lot of very relevant things to light. And I think it, you know, it's kind of a timeless documentary in that way. Yeah, it's it, no Pino is also interesting. About it. it was very creepy. It was the way the music, it was just so, it was so creepy. And I, I was watching it, um, I was watching it like 10 o'clock at night, you know, alone in the, in the, in the, in the bonus room. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like, I just got chilled, you know, I was just a little yep. like creeped out about the, the idea that like, you know, maybe things that I search on Google and emails that I send could just be, are just being gathered. Yeah. <laughs> Especially that opening scene in the movie too, where uh, it's like a, a slow mo of you know I think it's an, a, a tunnel or something, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. there's uh, you know that voice and then kind of the cryptic text messages come across the screen and it's uh yeah it's it's a definitely an eerie start to the film. Um, yeah, very very effective filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Glenn, Glenn Greenwald is just fantastic. Yeah. The guy does not, he has no, doesn't give two shits about what people think of him. Mm-hmm. And he just, he just digs, he just digs for the truth. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, he, he, he's not even, uh, he, he's sort of made a name for himself now within like uh, more, more right wing uh, in the right wing community. Like he's gone on Tucker Carlson a couple of times. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, but it just goes to show you, like this, this issue is, is completely bipartisan, right? Mm-hmm. 
doesn't yep. matter. Like, what? What if? What if Bernie Sanders was in Trump's? What if Bernie Sanders was elected in twenty sixteen? I I don't doubt that they would have done kind of the same thing because he's mm-hmm. just as much of a threat to their to their power as Trump was. Yep, that's a good point. Um, yeah, because when uh, Glenn Greenwald was initially reporting on a lot of this, well, first of all, he was working with the Guardian, which is pretty left leaning, and a lot of times he was on yeah. CNN at night, which is also left leaning. Yeah. So. You know, the fact that he's now on Tucker Carlson definitely shows that the issue is pretty universal, pretty bipartisan. Um, I think another, I, I learned this recently, and this just shows you how much I keep up with the news, but um, I didn't realize that Glenn Greenwald also, well, he started that company, The Interceptor, I think, is that correct? Yeah, that, the, that news? the Intercept. Yeah, The Intercept. And uh, then once all the news came out about hunter biden his laptop and um dealings he stepped down from the intercept because they wouldn't report on the story yeah yeah and uh i i thought that was a real um exhibition of of glenn wall uh, glenn greenwald's character and just you know also his perspective of journalistic perspective yeah right he that that's just a, that's just a bummer too Mm-hmm. The intercept, the intercept's great. I, yep. I read it sometimes. Um, it's still around. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. They, they, they're very, very good at what they do. They have some great reporters. Yeah. Um. But, but he doesn't work for them anymore, right? No, no, no. Yeah. And actually, I think the person who directed the documentary, Warren Poitras, mm-hmm. she, she also founded the Intercept as well. She oh, was a okay. co-founder. Yeah. Cool. She she gets lost in the mix a little bit in the movie, obviously, because she's always behind the camera. But yeah, I yeah. thought she did a great job. Yeah, I think this. Yeah, I, I think it's a huge it's a huge issue, and um, it, it's just it's just the thing is is most 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 investigative reporters usually work for like left-leaning sites right like the mm-hmm. left has they have the resources to do it's very it's very expensive right to do like a long-form investigation right because you're just it takes a lot of time you gotta it costs money to sometimes get these these documents and it, it's kind of a cash drain but it's so important and i think the, right. the left just have but the left just has the resources to do it Mm-hmm. And people, people on the right—I mean, really, it's not—it's not—it shouldn't be a partisan, like right-left thing. But people on the right just don't. There's not as many investigative reporters because it takes so much time and yeah. uh, time and money. Yeah, I mean, you have, you have to have an institutional re- backing, right? Right. Not right. for legal purposes too. Like the New York Times has—they probably—they have so many lawyers that work for them. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you're so right. I mean, think about just. The happenings of the Citizen Four documentary. I mean, Glenn Greenwald. He had, you know, he was in Hong Kong for uh, many days. Um, you know, the, the actual writing of the writings of the story and, and compiling all the information that took a while. Um, you know, and and so the the travel, the time, the resources. You know, it's definitely, and and when you think about it, actually too the Edward Snowden thing probably happened pretty quickly for, for Glenn Greenwald because they published the stories within days of, you know, meeting him in the hotel room, but still you can see how it, it's, it's definitely a cash enterprise. Yeah. Lots of money. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, this this kind of – this is kind of a, a little bit of an offshoot, but I think this whole surveillance thing is really interesting to think about, too, just in the light of now there's so much collection, um, you know, by private companies as well, such yeah. as Google and Facebook. And, yep. um, you know, of course, that's an entirely, you know, separate topic, but it, it's very related to this as well because people – um, endow the same in those companies that they put in the government. And in a lot of ways, some of these private companies are collecting even more sensitive information, um, you know, in terms of social media and what you search oh, and buy yeah. on the internet. So it's, uh, you know, you can really start to think about this for a while. Yeah, but the, the, the deep state is real. It's, it's not a conspiracy. It's right there in front of us, you know? Yeah. Yep. No, it really is. And, uh, you know, I think, like you said, it's important to realize that it is kind of um, right in front of our eyes because when you continue to use the words like deep state, um, it does, it places it kind of in a dark corner of the government um, in, a, mm-hmm. in, in an inaccessible dark corner as if everyone knows it exists, but there's nothing we can do about it. And there's no further information that we'll ever learn about it. So, you know, there's, we're, we're kind of helpless. And I think that's, that's a really poor way of looking at it. Yeah. It, but it, it, to, to, to fix, I don't really know how you would, how you can fix this stuff. Cause that's it's true. just, it's so deeply entrenched. There's so much mm-hmm. money. It's just so much money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially when you involve the journalists too, and the media outlets, you know, yeah, a lot of money on 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 a lot of money spent on these agencies, mm-hmm. defense contractors. You know, it's it's a whole thing. Yeah, and and uh, you, and these people, you you can't, you they're not elected. You know, they're just mm-hmm. doing their own thing. You yep. you can't you can't vote these people out of office. They're nominated and mm-hmm. they're appointed. Yeah they're kind of just doing their jobs in, in some way. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, highly recommend watching citizen four for anyone who's listening. Excellent right. documentary. Very well done. You'll learn a lot. Excellent. 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 Excellent filmmaking. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Be man, any, any other thoughts on uh, on life in general? <laughs> um, no, man. I think uh, yeah, I think this this documentary it just it just gives you a good perspective, and I definitely think about it more. Just you know, not not every minute of my day, obviously, because you'd be going nuts. But um, you know, it's yeah. it's something good just to keep in the back of your mind and and realize that it's out there. But uh, you know, don't get paranoid. Yeah, exactly. Don't be putting your uh, your laptop and phone in the fridge every night. Yes. <laughs> Wearing a tinfoil hat. Yeah, don't don't put on a tinfoil hat just yet. Just yet, you know. Yeah, there yeah. might be a time for that, but not now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, Pete and I are trying to make more. Maybe, maybe we'll do another episode on this down the line. Yeah, I guess uh, worth a follow-up. There's definitely lots to talk about. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of information, a lot of facts out there that we can we can dig up and uh, it's, it's definitely a complex issue in terms of the, the, the legislation behind 
uh, these agencies and what, what enables them to have the power to do these things and survey people and the laws. It's kind of, it's kind of granular. Um, but, but just, yeah, again, the documentary is well worth a watch and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, unfortunately this issue doesn't get talked about as much. It's just a, it's just kind of awkward for (laughs) politicians to bring this up, right? Because (laughs) they work for the government as well. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember, uh, I remember when, uh, I think in like 2017, uh, Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer from New York said, he said something about Trump trying to take on the intelligence community. He said like something to the effect of the intelligence community has six ways to Sunday to get back at you. Mm-hmm. And and that that says something, right? That these yeah. that these institutions can be weaponized against political opponents, and uh, yeah. they re- they really act autonomous autonomously, um, outside outside government purview. They kind of mm-hmm. have they kind of do their own thing. And I, I feel like there's a there's a secret, not secret, but just a, a quiet consensus in Washington that it's not the best idea to cross these agencies. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunately it's, it's yeah. a little bit like a mob mob movie yeah, no, see, yeah. you know don't want to be caught saying the wrong thing because you know that these agencies they they know where you live quote unquote yeah literally yeah. they know what you google on a saturday night <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right folks thanks for tuning in uh until next time pete it was a pleasure yeah man this was excellent all right, folks, take care. This is the Exile, Pod- Exile Diary Podcast signing off.